Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode 107. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? John, I am doing lovely. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome, Nick. Uh, This week, we're taking a trip to the third and final part of our interview with Stephen Morosky. Um, now we're diving in a little bit deeper into, I want to say the the latter stages of his uh, career development, you know, as it stands right now. Is that yep. fair? That is fair. He talks about his journey from Stack Overflow to Chef to Microsoft, a little bit about what the opportunities were, how they came to be, and more importantly, how he made the decision, which I find fascinating every time we talk to someone. Now, if you're playing Nerd Journey Bingo at home, you'll remember that this is only our second trilogy, the first belonging to Mr. Josh Fidel. And Josh, if you're listening, we love you. (laughs) Yeah, um, honestly, I think... The only reason that we didn't have a five-parter with Josh is that is the time of the evening that we started recording. Yeah, it would have been like 3 a.m. Yeah, that's true. Um, that being said, we probably need to revisit that conversation. And uh, I honestly, you know, likewise feel like we could have talked to Stephen uh, for a few more hours. <laughs> yeah, so many things he mentioned we could have dug into further and we just didn't yeah. have time. Yep. Okay, well, let's uh, let's jump directly into the last part of our conversation with Stephen Morosky. Do you mind just telling us a little more about getting into Chef and then transitioning to Microsoft and kind of what that was like and what drew you in those directions? What were the what were the major transition points for your decision to to go for it? Yeah, I, I would say it's not that it's a, it seems like a conflict with uh, being like from pure PowerShell, like background, right? Um, but, you know, I think sometimes that can be misleading. Yeah, so um, let's actually step back one job. So we the story actually starts at Stack Overflow. So I've been at Stack Overflow for two years, and I I just spent six months working on infrastructure as code with PowerShell desired state configuration um, as it was in preview, and then as it eventually when it came out. And so I had the first production deployment of it ever. I was doing talks about it. I did talk. I did a ignite at uh, ignite talk at DevOps Days New York about it. Um, and every time I was out, uh, I, uh, we talked about it at Velocity, at Velocity conference. Um, and uh, every time I was out and about at, at some of these events that were not just Windows community type events, 
um, I would I would bump into folks from Chef, and they would come up to me and like, hey, um, you know this uh, the PowerShell DSC stuff. I don't know all that much about Windows and all, but that that looks pretty neat. You know, uh, did you have you seen how it works with Chef? Or you know, hey, uh, did you want to talk to somebody about at Chef about it? Now Stack Overflow was a puppet shop, and every time I tried to talk to somebody at Puppet about it, I was sort of like, eh. We don't really know anything about that DSC thing, or we already do all that stuff. So, and um, and, and and didn't really get anywhere. And eventually, um, I, you know, uh, folks at Chef started saying, "Well, you should come work with us." And so I, uh, I, I had a couple of conversations, and I enjoyed my job at at Stack Overflow, and, and so from. We'll say from uh, EdgeNet, I went to Stack Overflow, and from Stack Overflow, I went to Chef. Now, I enjoyed all of those jobs. I, I left EdgeNet for Stack Overflow because it was Stack Overflow, and being able to be one of the uh, the the Windows engineers helping run one of the most popular websites running on Windows technologies kind of on the planet was a you know with really small infrastructure was was a really exciting thing i mean like doing you know six million page views a day on uh you know 10 web servers it, and right what was was uh um, you know a pretty cool experience and you know looking at how the the, the you know looking at how things were tweaked and tuned there and, and i really enjoyed the work that we did and and, it, and the all the admins there knew at least one scripting language and one compiled language that, uh, and and we built tools to help us manage our infrastructure so it was a lot of the you know a lot of a lot of, very similar to a lot of the ideas around like site reliability engineering and you know try try to reduce all the the manual toil and and um, and build tools to do stuff like uh, I was working with uh, George Beach uh, who was who worked there at the time as well and we were building a patching dashboard that would unify our patching experience across Windows and Linux machines. So he was building the, the agent experience for Linux and I was building the one for Windows so that we could you know, feedback information and control patching from the same dashboard that we were running. And, and so we get to do cool stuff like that. And then the, the opportunity at Chef came about and that opportunity, because I was spending so much time on configuration management, and I was talking about it, you know, on podcasts and at user groups and at conferences, and uh, you know, and, and that's actually when I started speaking internationally. And uh, and and you can start calling yourself an international speaker the first time you speak outside of the country you live in. <laughs> and that's that's when I started calling myself an international speaker because I spoke outside because I spoke in one other country. Um, <laughs> it, it grew after that, but. Um, we're going to get there, John. I, We're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just need somebody to invite me to Vancouver. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I started doing, started doing some, uh, uh, I was doing a lot of talks on, on configuration management and kind of diving into that experience. And Chef offered me a job as a technical community manager to, to come on board and to talk about PowerShell and testing and configuration management ideas and all and, and during my interview process and everything, I'm like, I know nothing about Chef right now. 
I, you know, I'm an absolute beginner when it comes to Chef. I know DSC pretty well, as well as anyone can know it right now. I know PowerShell pretty well. I know testing with PowerShell. I, you know, I, I know these things. I know the DevOps concepts. I don't know Chef. I don't know Ruby. We'll see where this goes. And um, they still hired me. And they hired me to go talk about PowerShell and testing because a, a lot of these concepts are pretty much required prerequisites. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> required prerequisites is a little redundant, but <laughs> they're, it's required knowledge to, and required experience and capability to have a successful configuration management experience, right? Uh, because your configuration management is pretty much driving command line or API driven stuff. And so if you can't drive it from the command line or from an API, you're probably not gonna be doing it in your automation. So how do we do that? And then, how, and then testing, how do we build confidence in the things that we're gonna go do? So I, I, I join as a technical community manager. Five months later, we get reorged and now I'm a developer on the community engineering team. And uh, with, the, with the responsibility of helping, uh, helping uh, kind of uh, helping shepherd our open source projects, nurture new contributions, and, um, and, and yeah, uh, and otherwise be a good open source citizen. So I'm diving into and expanding my knowledge of Git. I'd been using Git for a while. I, I got into some, I actually got into using source control back when I was at the police department. I started power, uh, my SQL scripts and my PowerShell scripts were all in subversion. Um, and we did Mercurial at, uh, at, we, at, at TFVC at EdgeNet and then, um, and, and actually at, um, um, Pro Phoenix, which was the public safety software company, and then uh, Mercurial, and then Git at Stack Overflow, and then get a lot more Git with GitHub at, uh, at 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 Chef. And in that role, I ended up having to kind of dive in and learn Ruby. Um, fortunately, my experience of PowerShell translated a lot into learning about Ruby because PowerShell built on some of the concepts from Ruby. And having read PowerShell in Action, which was the definitive book about PowerShell by one of the lead language designers, where he kind of dove into, and and the, the script blocks were influenced by, by blocks in Ruby. And I was able to help, I was able to kind of draw these uh, parallels between the languages and how they behaved. And I had some, I at least had some concept coming in. It wasn't all, wasn't all kind of new stuff, but it was a lot of learning. Right? I was reading a lot of Ruby books. I was trying a lot of things. I was failing at a lot of things. I wrote some really awful Ruby to start with. Um, but it got better quickly because I was doing it a lot. And, you know, and, and also helping and, and learning to read other people's code and do pull request reviews and things. And I basically had, you know, I had done some development in previous roles. When I was at the police department, I built little tools for our supervisors so that they could pull GPS data from the from the logs and and see that, you know when where uh, where squad car was and how fast it was going so that they could you know resolve citizen complaints like squad car went flying by here and like no he was going thirty five and <laughs> right or um, you know 
or, or yep, uh, this guy was going a little fast, so um, we'll, we'll we'll caution the officer, or we'll write him up, or what, you know, whatever the whatever the, the appropriate thing was. But I'd been building little tools for for things, and and then we built stuff at Stack Overflow. But at Chef, I was really getting into the product development space, and um, and it was a big learning experience, and I was I was. I was one of those expert beginners, right? I, I was beginning again. I was an expert in a lot of other areas. Um, you know, I had really deep PowerShell knowledge. I had really deep systems engineering knowledge. I did not have strong knowledge in Ruby. I did not have strong knowledge in design patterns in Ruby. I did, you know, like, um, and, and debugging and all that fun stuff and figuring out how Pry works and, uh, and debugging cross machines and it, really fun, crazy, weird stuff. And it, it, it was a lot to learn, but I had colleagues I could learn, I could learn from like that were super experienced and like, all right, Hey, can you work with me on this? And, and we're willing to, and, and we're willing to help, help learn, help me learn. Um, and then they were able to leverage my experience. Like when, especially when window, window stuff was always a problem. So I, <laughs> I was always able to find ways to help pay them back in uh, with uh, with skills that I had and knowledge that I had. But um, but yeah, so then so I'm at Chef. I'm do I'm I'm mostly focused on code, but I'm also doing a lot of outbound communication because it's still part community is part of the role. I'm still doing talks. I'm still talking. I, uh, I thought I, I always thought it was very important to maintain customer connections, and so I would do a lot. Of, I'd work with our sales engineers. Um, pre-sales engineers are in our support engineers with customers, either, uh, people who are about to be customers or people who are already customers. Um, especially if they had large windows shops, because then I could, you know, kind of, uh, explain some of the pain points and how they could work around some of the things, but also just to kind of hear where their journeys were at. And while I was doing that, um, I met a guy named Donovan Brown. And Donovan Brown was at the time was a technical sales professional, and he focused on uh, Team Foundation Server, which at the time, or uh, which is Azure DevOps, but just earlier versions. Um, and, and and there was a they were integrating a product uh, for release management at the time, and uh, it one of the capabilities it had was to deploy stuff with Chef, and. So he had a, he had a demo worked up and it was it was all wrong. Somebody gave him some really bad information because he didn't know Chef and, um, and and the the way the tool would work it was just it was weird. So um, so I worked with him on making a more realistic demo, and then I helped him present at at an internal conference at Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft has an internal conference for their field folks called Ready. And so I was a guest speaker at Ready, uh, basically to help with uh, uh, the chef demo and, and answer questions. And so we kind of got to know each other from that. Um, and a few months, year later, uh, I get a I get a message from him. Hey, uh, Microsoft's putting together an advocacy team and. Um, and, and I'm putting together a team focus on DevOps and I would like for you to, uh, uh, to be on it. 
because you cover areas of expertise that I don't have and I don't want to go learn. <laughs> and so we, uh, we had a conversation and, and the reason I wanted to go back to Stack Overflow when I started this uh, about the transition from Chef to Microsoft was the same reason I, the same reason I went to Microsoft is the same reason I left Stack Overflow to go to Chef. I wasn't mad at any of the roles. I wasn't upset with, with the companies or, any, or my role or anything there. It was the opportunity to take my advocacy to the next level. And uh, so I was, you know, I went, I went from, you know, talking about config management as a side thing to config management and, ad, and advocating for that and helping build that ecosystem as my primary job to going from that to now I get to talk about DevOps, site reliability engineering, all the things to help make a, a person's experience in the in the IT world better across the globe as my day job. And so it, it was all about, you know, being able to increase that scope of contribution and scope of impact. It's interesting. I, I wanted to ask, like, when you got that clarity that that is what was driving you forward in your job choices that you were pursuing, was it in retrospect or did you have that clarity of goal, um, you know, before? Um, that I, I got that clarity of goal uh, when I was at Stack Overflow and when I was evaluating the job opportunity at Chef. And then that context made the evaluation of the role at my uh, proposed role at Microsoft. Uh, th that's what helped me make that decision, right? Is it, it, because I, I had that same context is okay. Well, I, I like the stuff I'm doing at chef. I like the people I'm working with. I know some of the people I'd be working with at Microsoft. I don't know all of them. I know the organizations changed some. That was a, that was a concern. Um, of what, what the organization, how the organization was prior, but, um, a lot of those concerns were kind of alleviated. I talked to a number of folks that I knew there and uh, felt pretty comfortable about it. And so it, it, the decision came back down to the same reason that I left stack overflow for chef and, um, it, looking at it, I was like, well, to be internally consistent with myself, you know, I, I've, it's an opportunity I have to seriously consider. It, it wasn't like, well, if I did it to here, I have to do it here. It was more, I, if I did it here, I have to at least really consider it now. And it, it, it all kind of made sense and lined up. And I had just finished. So when I was at Chef, I had just finished working on Habitat. Um, I had done some of the initial porting work of Habitat to Windows. Um, I'd been more, I'd spent about a year working, developing stuff in Rust. So when I was at, when I was at Chef, um, I did a whole bunch of work in Ruby and then I had an opportunity to work on, on Habitat, which was systems level programming and a lot of Linux, a lot of Windows and this brand new language Rust. And, uh, and so I went, dove deep and did that for a while. And I was just coming back out and starting to help with the release of Chef 13 when this opportunity came up. So it was right at a, it was kind of like right at a perfect transition point. I had just finished up one thing I had been working a lot on. Uh, we just shipped Chef 13, so that was kind of out the door. And 
So it's like in a perfectly receptive place to take that. Because if I was in the middle of a major deliverable and and timing wasn't flexible, that might have you know that might have changed my decision at the time. But um, the, the timing worked out well, and the purpose matched. It matched consistently with what I felt would be an important re- important to making a change in job. Did the company have any influence? I mean, that big brand, Microsoft, not that Chef isn't big, but it's Microsoft, and you had so much PowerShell experience already. Was there a little bit of fanboy excitement as part of that? Um, I, I'd had uh, an opportunity or two to look at different roles at Microsoft prior. Um, I, I wasn't excited about relocation, which this role did not have. So that was, that made, that made it better. Um, I, you know, it was plus and plus and minus. Um, it was the biggest company I'd ever gone to work for. I've, I've mostly been in, in small, medium sized companies, you know, maybe 300 people ish, um, that, that range, um, which is just big enough to be painful organizationally sized, like, you know, 150 communications still pretty smooth you start getting up into 200 250 once it's like the three 300 uh 300 350 area it's really hard to know what other parts of the organization are doing um, because the communication tools haven't scaled yet and uh, at least at least when the company's newly in that space right they're newly in that that 300 ish uh space it, it become it's it it becomes rather siloed quickly, despite your best efforts, because you just haven't built up the muscles of communicating that broadly. Where you used to be able to get everybody into a you know into a Zoom or a Hangout or a Teams meeting or something, now it's just it, it's not it wasn't as feasible. And uh, and too many too many different areas were moving forward in too many different directions for everyone to keep the same the, the full context going. Um, and uh, but going to Microsoft was orders of magnitude, <laughs> you know, larger. And um, and so that was I was a little nervous about that. Wasn't quite sure how that was going to go um, because I like I, I liked the flexibility that I had in smaller organizations. Wasn't so sure that was going to persist, you know, in, in a larger organization. Um, I definitely had some fanboy, uh, you know, feelings about some of the people at Microsoft that I knew, um, like Jeffrey Snover, the guy who invented PowerShell. Of course, it's like I'm I'm going to work. I, I I'd be going to work there, uh, but then there's also the well, I would never be as I'll never be as awesome as him. So do I have any future there? And what if I get there and they find out I don't know enough and I'm not good enough for this organization and. You know, so you have all this, you know, back and forth in your head. And um, at the end of the day, I just I was like, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can probably find something else. And and I, I was privileged to be able to, to, to think that because I had been active out in the community. And I so I, I had it. I had a network I had um, and, I, and I had people who were familiar with my skill level, with my level of work, my level of knowledge and. I could probably go find something if the thing at Microsoft didn't work out. 
right? I, I could go find a chef shop or somebody who's a big window shop and I could probably be working in the next couple of weeks as, as, a, as a senior systems engineer or something along those lines. Um, I would be able to put food on the family, my family's table um, and it probably wouldn't be too big of a drop down um, if, if it didn't work out with Microsoft. So I, 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 had, I had a little bit of, I, I felt I had a little bit of privilege with that. But, uh, but I had that because I spent the time building that up over the years. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. So um, it's interesting, you know, again, like that kind of like advocacy role um, in community, um, you know, all plays in and all ties together. What, what was progression like once you got there, um, both like internal and then like career progression? Yeah, so I've been at Microsoft now for about uh, three years. I uh, started in 2017. And um, I, I started in a senior, uh, as a senior cloud advocate. Uh, and this year I got promoted to principal. So it was about three, three years at... Uh, uh, to get to get the principal now, uh, principal at Microsoft is a band jump, so it requires a little bit more, a um, little bit more work, because <laughs> uh, you need to get people, uh, you know, of similar level or higher outside your organization to to kind of to support your your promotion and um, and there's only so many roles and whatever, right? And so there's all the you know all the big company rigmarole around around that. Um, so I went from a principal engineer at, at Chef to a senior a senior advocate at, at Microsoft. Um, it was promoted this year. Um, but while I've been here, I've had a number of opportunities. And what I've found is, is opportunity at Microsoft is, is what you make of it. Because it's not one big monolith. It's a bunch of small little companies all, all running around inside. And, and most organizations inside of Microsoft, um, as you kind of get down into the component parts, there's not like these massive shops of, you know, thousands of people working towards, towards, you know, one goal. It's, you have a product team and they've got, you know, five or 10 or maybe 15 engineers working and a couple of PMs and, right. And then as you, you know, as you start to compose things, there's more and more, but they're really working in these small composed units all around. And, and so there are lots of opportunities to, you know, to, to find, to, to deliver impact and to find ways to evolve things. Um, you know, for example, in my first, after my first year, um, we'd, we'd started as developer advocacy and it was, and it was developer in the kind of really general technical person sense, uh, because we've moved from having TechNet and MSDN as the sources of documentation, like, if you're a developer, you go to MSDN. If you are everything else, you go to TechNet. So if you're a, a, a SQL administrator or you manage SharePoint or you manage whatever, whatever thing you do, if it's not development, you go to TechNet. And since I did a lot of PowerShell stuff, I lived in this split brain world where half the documentation I want is over on MSDN and half's on TechNet because I need to know how to do this thing with the server but I need to know how to use these .NET classes to munge data to do to do this other thing, and <laughs> um, so uh, the uh, one of the things I loved, and one of the re one of the reasons I actually picked coming to Microsoft then as as that next role, is they fix that. 
with docs.microsoft.com and brought all the tech, they're like, you know what? In today's wor world, that division really doesn't make sense. Yes, people identify as administrators or developers or DBAs or that, but that role is fuzzy across organizations. And what we have are technical people trying to accomplish technical things with their jobs. And so let's put all the technical documentation together. It's all searchable in one base and, and that's what it is. And if you're a developer, if you're a sysadmin, if you do DevOps, whatever your, whatever your thing is, whatever your jam is, your documentation is on docs.microsoft.com. And, um, and, and so we approached advocacy from the same way. Like we were the cloud developer advocacy team but we also, but it, but the mission was to win the hearts and minds of developers and IT operations people for Azure, right? And um, so, I kind of came into it with that, uh, with that mindset. Now I know there are a number of people in the IT administration, uh, the the sysadmin space, who have kind of an allergic reaction to the word developer, or or even the, the first three letters dev. Because when that starts in DevOps, that, that gets to be a little touchy. Um, you know, that that could be a uh, word where eh, maybe we may, maybe we really don't want to talk to you so much. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Those are dangerous ideas. You go stand over there. Um, <laughs> um, and so people, you know, people got a little little uh, flustered with uh, with the naming. I, I guess to me, I care more about the behavior than the naming. But you know, if I'm showing you how to do something cool with a Windows Server or with a .NET app or with, it, it really doesn't matter what you call me. What care? What, what should matter is the information coming out of my mouth or the samples I'm landing on GitHub or the blog posts we're writing or right. That's the thing that should matter, not the, not the title. But whatever. Some people some people are touchy about that, and that's cool. Uh, they they have their reasons, and uh, so. We were evolving cloud developer advocacy, and it was expanding. And we were getting, you know, data scientists and and uh, you know different uh, and more specializations and things, and it started getting really fragmented. And then they came out with, "Hey, we're going to do uh, op operations advocacy," and a, a plan came down, and I gave some feedback and like, "Hey, you want to be involved in this?" And so I got to I got to help build the plan and shape. Uh, shape the structure for what we were going to hire for operations advocacy. And so we spent a few months putting that together. We started interviewing and hiring folks. We get everybody hired. We get reorged. And guess what? Now we're not doing the split things anymore. We're not we're not splitting our teams based on uh, communities of practice because our, our teams are kind of organized. We had the DevOps team. We had the .NET folks. We had the JavaScript folks. We had we had some um, you know we had we had some data scientists here. And, and it was really communities of practice uh, was kind of how things were organized. It was really organic how the team kind of formed. And that's kind of how ops advocacy was starting. We had you know, some Windows admins. We had some Linux admins. We were focused on, on uh, we, had some, we had the folks who were focused on like site reliability engineering and modern operational practices. And that's a team that I built up and headed up. And, um, and from there, um, we, got, we reorged uh, because we got a new GM. We reorged along the lines of how some other areas of Microsoft are. So we had an enterprise audience, we had uh, a student audience, we had a small medium business, we had 
a couple of other audiences and and we kind of part you know people were kind of split into these different groups and it was much more cross-functional and you know that lasted about five months then we reorged right and and so we reorged a handful of times through there and um and because the folks that we hired you know devops site reliability engineering whatever um those skills were relatively applicable across things um, they, they, they split out, they came back together, they split out, came back together. Um, and I decided I, I, that I was going to move back to being an individual contributor and things shook out and now we've been kind of steady for a little while. And now I'm part of this organization called Methods and Practices. And uh, that includes DevOps, Site Reliability Engineering, you know, uh, that kind of thing. There's also uh, like an enterprise, uh, enterprise, uh, um, systems and tools and uh, modern infrastructure, and uh, and it's the the broader team focus is all around how do we help our customers adopt new operational practices, whether it's full blown you know DevOpsy type stuff, or whether it's just adopting some of the cloud services and some and, and some of the limitations that are being diminished by having that. And how, and, and how do we provide the right practices? How do we provide the right guidance for folks to be successful without needing to reach out to somebody at Microsoft? People should be able to be successful with the tools and the online resource, the online documentation and videos and learn and Microsoft Learn and stuff like that. Um, they should be able to be successful with that. And then people should be a much greater value add on top of that rather than a requirement to get unstuck and, and move forward, right? So that that's our that's our team's broader mission now, and and the uh, and the and I sit on the DevOps team in that broader structure. It's a good mission. I like that, I like that idea. Yeah, I know we're getting close close to time here. It's it's been a great conversation, and we want to be respectful of your evening. But I did want to ask, how do you, Stephen, decide what's next in your career from here? <laughs> So that I'm going to be really straightforward here, because uh, otherwise it would it, it, I would be disingenuous. I don't know. Um, that's something I'm wrestling with now. Is what what does the next thing look like? Um, now, fortunately, I have a number of immediate challenges sitting in front of me in my current role. I, I've I've had opportunities to do things like build some of the systems management stuff for our team's internal Azure subscriptions around budgeting and security controls and things. Um, so our team has you know 100 and some odd Azure subscriptions that we have to manage. Now that's prepping me for a lot of great content for problems our customers have. Right? Is how do how do we manage these things and how do we how do we pay attention to the cost and put these controls in place and 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 do things but also give make it free enough for people to do the things that they need to do to be effective right and so so i've had some great opportunities uh, doing doing that um I'm, i work with my manager regularly on our objectives and key results and and refining those for our team so that the things that we focus on match our mission statement for our team and for and for the methods and practices organization as well as the organizations above us and to, to, so, that, so that we fo we're focused on the right things, which is really, you know, interesting and engaging to me and, and uh, you know, how, how do we 
you know, how do we avoid measuring activity and, you know, creating key results that can be gamed, right? Or, you know, and, and, and focus on the things that are going to encourage new and good behavior. Um, for, for example, our team recently took over management of the Azure DevOps blog. And so our team is now blogging more regularly on that, on that particular site, as well as helping shepherd the other content that comes in from across Microsoft onto, onto that particular blog. And that was not something we were doing before, but in service of our uh, ability to get out information that has, that has the right links to content in docs and things. And, and, and then we, uh, you know, we started doing that and then that measures in, or that feeds into some of our key results that lead to our objective of, Hey, if you find the blog post that gets you to the docs that gets, or the learn modules or the videos that help you get successful. Now, you know, that blog post was an enabler for you to not need a, an individual person to go and get successful, get unblocked and get, and get doing something. Now, when we have a conversation, we can talk about the pattern uh, that you're trying to adopt, or we can talk about the work, the, the challenge in the organization and, resh and, and helping reshape some of those uh, policies and procedures to reflect the limitation you've just diminished, right? Le reaching back to how, you know, where we started talking, um, you know, or then doing, or doing, uh, yeah, I, there, there's a lot of, there, I, I have a, I have a number of good opportunities internally and externally um, sitting right in front of me. There's a lot of content like around dev test environments, right? Great win for cloud services is get your get your uh, get your dev test environments off this creaky old hardware into cloud services where it's a lot easier to control cost, where it's a lot easier to put some automation around the, the provisioning and the deprovisioning of, and where we can put policy, so we can put some code around the uh, the the uh, the compliance state of those environments that we may not have had inside of our data center. And so there's some there's some really fun stuff that we can do there. So uh, there've I've got a I've got a number of I've I've got a number of things on my plate in front of me that are going to keep me occupied for a little bit of a little while. But I am starting to think about what what next looks like, and I'm not sure. I I kind of think it's going to be an engineering role of some sort. I want to get back into shipping some software. I really enjoyed that experience, but I'm not. I'm not 100% positive. Maybe running a service. I wouldn't mind that too. <laughs> that's that's really cool. I I it's it's interesting to hear your thought process and how you went through that, you know, how you started with, well, here's what's on my plate. Um I think it was you didn't mention, you know, kind of your grounding in advocacy. Um you know, that went back, you know, I think 3 or 4 positions, right? And, um, and uh, how you push that forward. Um, but it, it seems like you have kind of a, an underlying philosophical, you know, way of thinking about things that that's really interesting. We'd love to, I think, Thanks. come back and, and talk to you about that, come back to, yeah. and talk to you about a couple of the other oh, things yeah. that we've just not, not been able to dive deep on. Uh, but um I would like to say, you know, thanks so much for spending what time you have spent with us um, this evening. 
um, however many episodes this ends up being. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd love to have you back to talk about those things. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, and I'd like to hear more about your stories. Because I think, I think, I think that that's how I get to learn. So do you have those in your, in your past episodes? Yeah, I think um, we'll probably go back and tag those as navel gazing. Like, I don't think we have an official navel gazing tag, but we probably should, right? Just so every time somebody asks us that, um, we can do it. Um, you know, we'll probably point you to like the past couple episodes. Um, for me, those would be like 98 and 99, which is, um, you know, probably my one year check in at Google Cloud. Um, but, you know, we've done, you know, past check-ins, you know, uh, next one, next one year and check-in at uh, VMware, uh, three-year check-ins at my three-year check-in at VMware. I think that was the last time we did that for me. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, wait, no, I take that back. I did like a three-month check-in at Google Cloud. <laughs> so, um, you know, but this is, you know, over 100 episodes, like this is you know, we've, we've yeah. done that a couple of times, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, new, new, uh, episode tag that we'll, we'll go back and try to attach things to navel gazing. Cool. Yeah. I, I will have to go check out a few more of, uh, a few more of your episodes. And is it okay, Steven, if people want to follow up with you, can they reach out to you on Twitter, LinkedIn, if they have questions about your story or maybe want to pick your brain? Yeah, definitely. DMs are open on DMs are open on Twitter. Uh, I, I connect with just about everybody on on LinkedIn. Um, email is not recommended, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Tw Twitter Twitter is probably best easiest, but uh, LinkedIn's fine too. Nice, Stephen Morosky. Thank you so much for joining us on the Nerd Journey podcast. And uh, look forward to following up with you and, uh, you know, following everything that you're doing. It's been a blast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you both. Appreciate it. Awesome. Take care. His decision, Stephen's decision points in the intro, and I really like the fact that number one, he wanted to go to Stack Overflow because of the company's reputation and the fact that their infrastructure was supporting something so massive in that community. I think a lot of people probably feel like, well, I want to go to company XYZ because it's company XYZ. I know that I felt that way about coming to VMware. I imagine a lot of people have felt that way about Google or Microsoft or others. I also liked, John, what he said about making the move from Chef to Microsoft. He talked about how he had just finished a project at Chef and that if he had been in the middle of something, it might have been a lot harder for him to make that decision. I kind of wonder if everybody would have had the same struggle or if they would have been that loyal to their employer. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I, I think about it now that you pose that question. And I always, I'm thinking to myself, it really depends on how well you're being treated and the state of, um, 
you know, how you feel like you're growing or not growing, um, whether you have, you know, uh, new challenges ahead of you that, that you're looking forward to. So, you know, it, it could be, uh, it's always a good thing to be wanted by a really good company while you're at another really good company. Like that's, that's the ideal situation. Right. And, um, I think one of the things that I was reflecting on was all of the past work that he had done to kind of set himself up to be in that position, you know, constantly working on improving, kind of diving deep into technology. In this case, you know, um, kind of that, you know, DevOps world and configuration control and, you know, getting into the nitty gritty, you know, becoming something of an expert, but the type of expert who can adjust and, and learn other things. And, you know, when you're kind of well known in a community for that, then people start paying attention. And, uh, you know, if you publish, you know, however you go about publishing, be it blogging or podcasting or writing a book or writing articles, whatever it is, you know, that, you know, people start paying attention, recruiters start calling, um, and then you have your pick of opportunities. And, and you can do that on a large scale, or you can do it on a smaller scale as well. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And that culmination of all the skills he had built up with his beginner mindset philosophy, you know, he mentioned it was either this episode or the one before about learning new programming languages and how that was part of a project. And even though he was a beginner, it wasn't like starting from ground zero, knowing nothing about programming. And so I really enjoyed hearing about that. And then I really liked the last part where he talked about all the opportunities that are in front of him as possibilities at Microsoft, what he might be doing next. He might get back into a, an engineering type role. And we even heard a nugget about him managing a team that we didn't really get to dig into. And maybe at some point we can. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to hear how he thought about those things. Right. Yeah. And how, how he assessed those, um, those opportunities and kind of, you know, rattled them off, like kind of like he knew, um, you know, the different, directions that he could go in. So that was kind of cool to, to realize as well. And this is the same dude who said, if he went to Microsoft and it didn't work out, he would be okay. I think he turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great position to be in. Um, okay. Anything else before we get out of here? No, sir. Just a reminder. I hope you enjoyed the trilogy and we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Um, if you missed any part of this uh, series, we'll uh, include links to the previous episodes, uh, number 105 and number six, so you can catch up. Um, but at any rate, tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore. Signing off. Adios.